0: Secrets of the Sire
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Studios Digital Network. That is SireDigital.com, YouTube.com slash Secrets Facebook.com slash Secrets twitch.tv slash secrets of the Sire and Secrets of The You can also now check us out on blogtalkradio.com and radiopublic.com and wherever You download your favorite podcast, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Tonight's episode, Avengers Endgame Blu-ray Review, Doctor Strange 2, we dive into the sequel, and we welcome Sean Lewis from the hit image comics, Thumbs, on to talk about his series. As always, I'm your host, Michael Dolce, and joined, as always, by my high-energy co-host, Mr. Hassan Godwin-Lord of the radio.
0: How are you doing, sir? Well, does that mean we can actually talk now? Is that introduction over? The introduction's over. Oh, my God. What do you got, a scroll that you, you know, your wife is, like, on the other side of you, and we- she rolls out this scroll of, like, be sure to thank Aunt Mildred.
1: We've got ass. a lot going on. Look, I can't, I can't help it if we've just got tons of stuff going on, which oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is actually a good thing. Uh, real quick, yes, I want to give a shout out to Jim California. Oh, another shout out, cover artist, cover <laughs> artist for the trade paperback one and two. He's got a new Kickstarter out. It's called Ned, Lord of the Pit: A Comedy of Terrors. It's got yeah. an average guy with enough problems already. With enough problems, discovers a world he never knew existed, and things go straight to hell. So go check out, go to Kickstarter, search for Ned Lord of the Pit. uh, or search. Not to be confused
0: with Lord of the Radio, though. No,
1: much, much different. Ned
0: and I do not know each other, even though we both belong to the same club. Um, I'm in the radio club, and he's the pit club. Correct. We don't really talk to each other. Sometimes we see each other at the craft services tables, but we don't really.
1: You always want to be in the pit.
0: Uh, you know what? In this heat, no, no, <laughs> I'd rather be on the radio. <laughs> in the party, you, the radio has an air-conditioned studio that you could sit in and be on the radio. So yeah, hits rarely are air-conditioned.
1: Mm. So before we get into Avengers Endgame Blue ray review,
0: yeah, yeah. some exciting
1: news. I got contacted oh, by a production company. Police.
0: They found out. They found they out did. about
1: you. Uh, no, they haven't. Thanks, ah! dude. got contacted by a production company for a new cbs show uh the main character's uh, child children kid i don't know big graphic novel fan they want to paint the room in graphic novels and uh so they reached out to see if i would donate some of sire studio's product sire mainstream undone Descendant, you know, all really cool things and see if we would donate them to be on the show, which I will not I name.
0: We get those cool phone calls and, and e- you know emails and letters and stuff like that. I always one get the, like notices. One, know, I I get notices. one of the things I sent
1: them. One of the things I sent them, Hassan, was your cover
0: to uh, fire one. number ten. So Comic Con, the Comic-Con. wasn't that uh Yeah, which that that was that year looked- before last, right? That was two years yeah. ago. Comment
1: that comment. logo actually might prevent me from using it. <laughs> uh,
0: I can okay. always send you a copy of the original uh, painting. No, no, no. I have the I have the artwork. It, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I didn't have it printed out as a print without the logo on it. So. Uh, well, oh, well, we'll see. Done.
1: We'll see sure. how it goes. Maybe your stuff is there.
0: All right. Maybe. One day.
1: We start our show off with our splash page announcement. That is Avengers Endgame Blu-ray Review. Yeah. Avengers Endgame. You know, last year we did this with Infinity War. We actually reviewed the Blu-ray. It's out as of August 13th. Um, you want to know the details, Hassan? You want to know the, the details? Blu-ray, Wonderful the Blu-ray of,
0: uh, of uh, Endgame? Yeah. Does anybody yeah, still watch Blu-rays and DVDs? Like, is it still yes. a thing? Yeah, because I mean, you have, they have not yet, that I know, of found a viable way to, to to let you have all this behind-the-scenes footage and stuff like that on your streaming services. True, That's not really like that. So I mean, like if you've seen the movie, the what you want is the home experience. Yeah. Uh, the other the other side of it, as a person with um, 4K capability, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Sudden, um, regular TV looks like crap on 4K. Yeah. Depending on how the strength of your signal mm-hmm. streaming looks like crap, but yeah. you know what doesn't look like crap what your four k and your blu ray players, yeah that actually like you watch those and you're like, oh, that's what I spent this money for i know
1: i you feel know. like I feel like it isn't it is a techie dream, like it, you know when we were in bands together, um you guys oh, would yeah. talk you guys would talk. Like shop, like you guys would really get like deep into like the tech of it, the hardware, you know, the kind con- and you know
0: and d- all this stuff names and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm like, I just I
1: like singing songs. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I like to write, I like to write words and put them on- <laughs>
0: and
1: sing songs. I feel like this I is like all, well, but
0: rhyme.
1: So, but I don't, I don't want to neglect. The fans out there who might be into this, uh, into the tech aspect—it sounds like you are, which is nothing wrong with that. Either. Well,
0: look, I think I think the streaming—I think it's a bad idea. I think I um I, I think streaming is great, but I think giving up tangible media, which is yeah. what everybody's talking about doing now, and I understand. I mean, it's a it's a tidal wave. You're not going to be able to stop it from happening, no matter mm-hmm. what, what how many um cautionary tales you tell people. Yep. But I just think it's a bad idea to to not own. Anymore, and that's ba- basically what people are talking about. This renting for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, you
0: know? it's ironic
1: so, too because our guest uh, Sean Lewis, his whole comic book thumbs is all about anti technology and this technology mogul, uh, you know, infiltrating our kids and, and through clouds and streaming and all this other stuff. So, well, you know, very,
0: you know, I'm very not very even. I'm, so. not I like even anti- to I'm not even anti tech. I'm re- I, it, it doesn't quite tie together because I'm not anti tech. I'm. Uh-huh. I'm more anti control right. or you know anti anti uh consumer protected mm-hmm. because like whatever you buy is yours yeah and then you're it's up to you to to, to utilize it correctly i've heard a lot of the stories about people like oh this just used to be on you know this used to be on netflix it's gone now this mm-hmm. used to be on you know so i mean when these these shows these movies come and go uh they're gone forever if you don't have a tangible media if you don't have some way to actually like con- you know to to capture it and hold yeah. on to it for your own consumption later. Sure. And um I just I understand like the 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 memory, like we don't have to take up hard drive space with the sure. stuff. We don't have to take up shelf space with all this with these belongings. And I get that. I get the convenience of it, but I don't exactly understand like having paying for service mm-hmm. and then having that service that you're paying into Mm-hmm. Continue to be able to dictate to you whether you get to watch something or not, which right. is basically what you are doing, and that's supposedly what we were cutting the cords to get away from the cable cords to get away from it, and we're just giving it away with these streaming services. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. that also going to be exorbitant amounts of money. They're going to they're going to start. A uh, they
1: just released uh, recently the Disney Plus package, Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN, which the ESPN part does not work with, as we've as I've learned. There are no sports yes. fans in comics. There are very, very little. We're yes. very, very far between. Uh, but apparently you can get ESPN to, to become a sports fan. So Disney wants you Disney wants you as well-rounded as humanly it, possible, do it, do it. possible. Join
0: us. Join the dark side.
1: <laughs> this talks about the picture quality. This is what you get uh, on the Avengers Endgame uh, Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, featurettes include an Iron Man movie legacy, Captain America movie legacy, Black Widow, Stan Lee, the Russo Brothers' Journey to Endgame, and the Women of the MCU. Six deleted scenes, a gag reel, and director and writer commentary track. So there's at least some bulk to
0: it. No, there's some heft to it. There's supposed to be. There there really has to be. That is now the biggest movie of all time.
1: We're going to get get the tech part of it over, though. Picture quality. Well, Endgame's picture quality is good enough. This is uh, from Forbes, uh, John Archer. uh, is good enough to consistently deliver a substantial upgrade over the HD Blu-ray image. It isn't quite the reference-grade release I can't help but feel Disney could have achieved if it had really wanted to. Oh uh, let's cover the good news, starting with the fact that the image is super cool. I could
0: well, okay, now hold on. see this is this is the crap that we have to endure today. Sure. He doesn't give us specs about exactly what it is versus what it could have been or what it else what what it you know what it should have been. With actual numbers and tangible,
1: you no, know. no, no. He does, he does. I'm not gonna. Well, read
0: I mean, like his. Oh, yet. okay. If you're not, but uh, like yeah. he's saying, I, I feel I mean, that they could have achieved more. Not is not really the first
1: a pretty- ever podcast where the host falls asleep while reading. If I read you all the specs, so no. There's just there's no way I'm reading all that stuff.
0: All right. This I guess is, I won't comment on what you're saying then if you're not summary. telling exactly what you're saying. All no, I'm right. saying
1: this is his summary of what it is.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let yeah. Me, I'll just listen and I'll hang back.
1: <laughs> yeah, hang back. I want to get this kind of out of the way because I want to dive back into a second viewing of Avengers Endgame or repeat uh-huh. viewings or home viewing. And I want to know that's really the meat of this conversation for me. And okay. it's my show. and. That's just I've 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 slapped my my hammer fist down. Mm, see what I did there? Mm, little in joke. We'll get there soon. Uh, starting with the fact, the image is super clean. There's scarcely a hint of grain, leaving you with a polished, consistent finish, ideally suited to help you become engrossed in Endgame's characters and superheroic shenanigans. Uh, there is also a more solid, expansive, but also subtle look to the 4K Blu-ray's colors. Uh, it isn't as consistently aggressively used as we've seen as some previous Marvel films, but there are certainly some spectacular high-volume highlights alongside the generally richer grading. Another disappointment, though, with Endgame release, and it's a little cutting through, a disappointment with the Endgame release is its lack of any dynamic HDR format. This is the part that's going to put me to sleep. You only get a basic HDR10 picture. There's no HDR10+, or Dolby Vision option. Uh, comment on the Facebook feed, or the YouTube feed, or the Twitch feed, and let me know what that even means, and why I would even care. Sound quality, mercifully, the Dolby Atmos soundtrack found exclusively on the Endgame 4K Blu-ray is not another one of Disney's bizarrely compressed, lifeless efforts. So picture, clean, but not great. Sound, meh, it's there, you can hear it. Hmm. Here's where I want to get into the extra features, okay? Uh-huh. bonus feature disc includes a short but fun look at the Russo's brothers, Russo Brothers' Journey to Endgame, a quick look at the range and influence of the female characters in the MCU. So they have an entire featurette on the females of the MCU. Basically kind of like piggybacking off that one scene in the in the film. Which by the way, on second if viewing
0: and not get tired of talking about.
1: On second viewing, if you would listen. I'm not didn't mind listen. it as
0: much on second viewing.
1: Didn't mind it as much.
0: All right. Well maybe you're maybe almost knew, enlightened then. Maybe because I
1: knew it was no, it has nothing to do with enlightenment. I just, I, maybe because I knew it was coming at
0: that point. <laughs> I saw it the first time and I was like, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I am enlightened. So, you know, that's oh, all right. Oh, no, 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 no.
1: That the, the, Merely that scene just wasn't meant for me. That's all. It doesn't have nothing
0: to do with enlightenment. Just because you're a misogynist. I it wasn't made for me. That's all.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I like I like uh, well-written, uh, non-pamphlet material stuck in the middle of my... Uh, then you
0: do not, uh, not like the Marvel movies, then. I don't know no, what I you're talking it. about. I love the Marvel films. I love I love it when... You just <laughs> described them no, in not, a, a nutshell. Marvel movies are not pamphlet material. Oh,
1: okay. All
0: what right. are you talking
1: about? They're not pamphlet material. It was, They're not... If, if Look, when I talk about pamphlet material, I talk about the art of... If you are, if you are actually disguising your message whatever that message is, through character and story, then I'm all for it. If you're going to beat someone over the head by blatantly... Yeah, I mean, of, like, the notion of beating
0: over the head with a message though, that's the thing. If you're getting a message, if someone is sending you a message uh-huh, and you're getting that message directly as a opposed to it being subtly camouflaged or, you know, covered up in this kind of strange subterfuge where you can suddenly now allow the message to, to come into you because it's not coming at you directly. It just doesn't make much sense, you Good know? Writing because, I mean, if way. you notice that there is a message, then you still saw the message. You know, so I mean, no. If still, received... if characters logically, no. Look, I
1: don't, I don't actually think. Oh, it was the a message. Well, see, I, I want good
0: writing. Yeah. Hasan, you're a writer. You should actually want. I've, you writing. know, but the thing is, I've been mocked for saying the same thing. It's like, well, the writing is really solid and whatever. You know, and I've, I've, I've literally, only been from the person I'm talking to right now, been mocked for for saying the same thing. So it's it's just kind of it's become a trope now like it's i want mm-hmm. i want good writing but what is good writing everybody's it, it's a subjective thing of what good writing is because something some people think it's a verbose very colorful dialogue while other people think it's not dialogue it's in the actual premise and the plot and the unfolding of the narrative in the story so i mean it, it is a subjective thing as to what good writing is in and of itself. I think so, that if you message, reach, whatever you receive to someone,
1: do that scene to someone,
0: ago, it's going to be hitting someone over the head of,
1: out of social media timeline and out of, you know, get a get, take, take that exact scene and do it 20 years ago when we weren't arguing about identity politics and oh God, oh neo-feminism all right, all right, at an everyday yeah. rate. Okay. It would be it would be looked at and go oh that was kind of cheesy. I I just think it would it would be natural thing, but now it's not because we're we're in a different age.
0: That being said, I said I didn't mind. It How stupid I, would I be to get drawn into a conversation that actually used the euphemism of identity politics? Okay. Um, anyway, That's literally what we. That's it's so- a, it's it's a it's euphemistic. There's no such thing technically as identity politics. It really isn't because everybody has an identity. You are you are speaking from one perspective on the identities or the or the okay that of is the people. popular phrase. Uh huh. It's, it's a euphemism. It's a very popular euphemism. Okay. That is that euphemism is, what would... is not a it's not a it's not a negative necessarily. It's, okay, but it tends a, to be a negative. So it's a utilization of a catchphrase that means something that okay. you know by by utilizing. Uh, a, a phrase that is not exactly, uh, that, that doesn't exactly capture what the meaning of it in, you know, in the context of uh, the phrase itself. That's it's a euphemism. So, I mean, it is it is euphemistic. It's like, I mean, there are, there are all these buzzwords that are good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get in drawn into an identity politics type situation. I didn't even bring it up. You're the one that brought it up. I actually was, <laughs> but,
1: but the ironic part is I actually said I didn't moment, mind though. it the second time.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we didn't even have to talk about that. <laughs> we, we didn't even I have said, to talk about that moment. I, I actually even said, though,
1: I didn't. Well, no, we did have to talk about it because then the, there's a featurette that has a look
0: back at the females in the Marvel Universe. You still so, didn't have to talk about it. You still didn't have to go over it. I, I just, I've never agreed with that. All I said was, position.
1: I didn't mind it the second time around. Oh, bully. There boy. you go. How yeah, about well, that? But then well you done. you had to go and you had to go and and, and welcome to, to get... the world
0: that the rest of us live in, Michael. Oh, but see that's that <laughs> that's. So you're sitting here being like,
1: I don't know why we talked about it. I'm gonna make fun of you in my and get on my high my righteous high horse. And be like, if you didn't like it, you're not enlightened. Uh,
0: yeah, that's the purpose mm-hmm. of the second chair, my friend. <laughs> I mean, unless I'm supposed to just sit here and go, "Oh, Michael, that's a good idea. That's great. that's fantastic. Tell me <laughs> more. What is this? Tell me more about the transfer of the of the of the video card in this particular situation. Tell me more about how crisp and clear the HD looks. Well, I mean, come on. on. What do you I want? Mean, you really I want? That. That?
1: I did that for all the techies you, out
0: there who might. That's all I know. I'm saying, like, you want me to just sit there? Oh, all oh, right, very good. Right, excellent. I will go out tomorrow and purchase myself a copy of this so that I, too, may be imbued with the majesty of the endgame once again after I've seen it in the theaters. I will sit here in my home theater and then that let it waft over me and be uh, uh, elated in the wonderfulness. Come on, I'm not What gonna... is
1: your, what's your second viewing uh, opinion of the movie now?
0: What's what's really strange about big tentpole movies mm-hmm. is that be, the the very nature that makes them big movies, mm-hmm. at least to me, makes them kind of kind of things that I don't. I, there's nothing really to comment on, as far as I'm concerned. It's like okay, okay, you know, you lost a. You lost half the population of the Earth and, you know, the universe, apparently. Um, and uh, now you're going to get them back. Yeah. Nice job. I, I, you know, I like Infinity War better. I think Infinity War was a better movie. But I do acknowledge that Infinity War um, had it easier than Endgame. It's yeah. easier to set something up than to resolve it right um i i i had an emotional moment with endgame i think it 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 hit me emotionally in certain places that i did not expect yeah um and i think it's you know i think it's well done i think it's i think it deserves the uh, i don't know necessarily if it deserves to be the number one movie of all time
1: isn't that the contradictory nature of endgame 2 at least in my head is that it is incredibly well done. It does tug on all the heartstrings in all the right ways. It does resolve 10 years of movie making into one giant movie. It does give you a chance to kind of revel in these characters. At the same time, on the second viewing, I still can't get over the decision-making for the time travel. I still can't get over the fact that while it is a, it is a resolution, now with the Phase 4 announcements complete, it almost seems like it. It really was a way to set up the next ten years. In, in a way that almost feels. Yeah,
0: that's that's what I was talking about with um aggravating. We, we were talking before we went on. Mm-hmm. We were talking, uh, you know, I mentioned the boys. I went over the boys again, and I was like, okay, everything is kind of um. It's it, everything that we're watching now. Everything we're experiencing now is is pretty much has a placeholder mentality to it yeah just just hold this watch this space hold this spot and we promise if you hold the spot and and justify us being given more millions of dollars we will eventually put something in this spot to be worth your while Mm -hmm. waiting for it um but in the meantime here's a here's a taste of the spectacle that we're gonna promise it's like um like like Basically, Infinity War was honest. Right. We don't have enough time to tell this whole story. We're going to tell you as much story as possible. We're not gonna. We're not gonna hit. We're not gonna knock you over with a whole bunch of mysteries or whatever. We're gonna. We're gonna leave one unanswered question, and the rest of it is going to be a a, a cinematic. Uh, experience with a with a, a follow-through narrative. Something bad is, you know, these guys are trying to do this bad thing. These the good guys are trying to stop the bad guys from doing this bad thing. The twist as you know it's it's a very honest, very, very old-fashioned story. The twist of it yeah. is that the heroes lose, right? right? It's Empire Strikes Back all over again. The hero right. we got we got our butts kicked. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now the 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 mystery box or whatever that you know the famous saying the 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 one holdover the euphemism, you... huh? Mm, the euphemism? You know, oh, you got me. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Anyway, the the <laughs> only in your mind, my friend. Um, the the one holdover <laughs> is that how are you going to get all these people back? I mean, we kind of, we all know we are going to because we're not we're we're here for the right. promise. Of, of the heroes prevailing. You're we're, we're here for the promise of fulfillment, right? Yeah. That is why every one of us, you know, whether we'd like to admit it or not, that's why every one of us sat down in the movie theater. We want to see our heroes sure. win. Want to sure. win. So the, pro- the the holdover is how to be here next week to see how we win, right? And it's, you know, luckily, instead of Empire Strikes Back, which the three years, which is still the longest three years of my life, and I remember it very vividly because I was a child at the time, it only took one year. And, and you know, the year between um, Infinity War and Endgame was still kind of a long year. It was that yep. good uh, uh, a, 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 to be continued, right? It was sure. that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So when you get to Endgame, Endgame starts to 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 show its... Flaws, it shows the flaws in contemporary storytelling, right? Because it's the same problem with uh, Game of Thrones. It's the same problem with Dexter, all these other things. The landing is hard. Right. The landing, you have to work your butt off, no matter how you set up. Everybody thinks all the work is in the setup. There's a lot of work in your setup there's a lot of work in 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 craftsmanship and setting up your story a lot a lot of work but it's it pales in comparison to the work you have to do to land it to land it satisfactorily yeah um Endgame way better than game of thrones ending way better way better and i think it the i think whole it deserves, movie
1: executed much much better obviously
0: well the thing is if game of thrones had the opportunity to do time travel you know they, they probably. I mean, the Game of Thrones had restrictions at Endgame. We could. We could. You know. We could just whip out the DeLorean. Don't, don't tempt the Game want. of Thrones uh, folks. It's over. <laughs> it's not. It's, no, it's over. <laughs> Doesn't it. matter. So it. it you're going to use time travel, okay? It's the same as with every single Star Trek movie. Right. Every time they're they're like, well, we want to step away from time travel, whatever. But every movie that was a tentpole Star Trek movie has the crew of the enterprise or whatever starship we're following mm-hmm. either go back in time right. or I- I experience such a cataclysm that you're like well how are they going to you know how are they going to keep this show going or this movie going with the, you know with the ship destroyed or with all these people scattered all over the place oh we're going to go back in time we're going to and we're going to hit the reset button i mean literally it is the go to it is the right. it is the default it is the in case of emergency break time glass Right. Uh, 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 default of every franchise. Right. Um, and on top of using tra- time travel, Endgame kind of shows its, its, its inability to even work within the parameters of the time travel um, milieu, right? Because it right. just changes the rules of time travel in order to make it work, it changes the rules to, to, to set up some stakes. Which is kind of cool, at least if they're going to change the rule, they change the rules to uh, to show us the, the perils of doing it, right, but it still changed the the time travel as the conventionality, the conventional wisdom of time travel, which is wrong, which is none of us are physicists, so well, you know none of us really understand <laughs> time travel the way it works, but well, Tony Stark does in five minutes
1: it's okay. well, uh,
0: yeah, well, that's five why minutes. Tony Stark is Tony Stark, but was what what you're watching yes. what you're watching is is the 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 unraveling of narrative of people being able to tell a story without spectacle without bright lights without gimmickry and um they've they've been they've become good enough at the gimmickry to hide it so well that you don't realize that you're not being told a story Mm -hmm. until maybe the story's over and you're like what was that about? What did, what, what did we just, you know, I mean, that was kind of cool, but what just happened? You know, yeah. what, what, did, what did I just watch? Yeah. So, I think the seeds of the destruction of modern storytelling mm-hmm. in Endgame, which is ironic because Endgame is the biggest movie of all time now. Right. But I think because of Infinity War, Endgame is saved from being a, a completely flawed story because of the masterwork that was Infinity War that led into Endgame. I 100% I really agree.
1: I really wish even Endgame... on second time viewing Infinity War to me still, it still gets me excited when I watch it and I watch it and it's then the a, home it's experience.
0: A, it's a really well done movie. Yeah. It really is, and I mean the the, the main point of me going to see Infinity War is like i i don't believe they can pull this i you know like yeah. first of all you're going to tell me that you're going to do a whole series of movies and all the the movies are going to be interconnected and all these characters are going to be and you're going to you're going to make this work over a decade right yeah all right bull right and then you do it yeah, And then you're going to, it's going to culminate with the infinity war. It's going to, the, the gauntlet, the infinity gauntlet story is going to, it's going to culminate with that. So we're going to have the Thanos guys going to come down and he's going to be chasing after these stones and he's going to want to destroy the universe. Right. And the uh, and, and, and Avengers are going to have to stop it. either either here on, at, on earth or in outer space. Mm-hmm. And you're like, bull, you're not going to be able to pull that off. I don't care what anybody says. And then you watch it, and you're like, they're they're doing it. Like I'm watching it. <laughs> so I think they had so much. They 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 managed to to um to ingratiate themselves with so much goodwill because they landed each and every attempt that they made, every 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 historical move right. they made that had never been done before. They managed to do it. That they built up so much goodwill that when you watch Endgame the second time, the first time you're just ho. Oh, you know you're, right, just, right, 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 you're just too busy eating popcorn and watching right, stuff blow up right the second time when you watch it you're like nah, all right you're guys. Busy
1: holding in that pee that you know you have to go but you don't? <laughs> yeah, get this the is a
0: three and a half hour freaking extravaganza that yeah. is <laughs> the only reason to get
1: the blu-ray uh that and there's a very funny look at the creation of fat thor uh all right let us know what you think uh do you agree do you disagree again second time around i still pick infinity war i'd pick even spider-man over endgame uh wow. but uh that. but mm-hmm. let us know what you think chime in on the facebook feed chime in on the I youtube feed Revenge we will respond to you in the comments but when we come back we're going to kick off very briefly uh because we used a lot of time to get through that avengers endgame blu-ray review uh our welcome. in-depth breakdown of the marble phase four announcements including do we already know who the villain for dr strange is gonna we be
0: care? Oh oh
1: oh when we come back uh-oh.
0: Watch boy, you're gonna need another dick.
1: Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons. Uh, new fans, Craig Caruso, Tom Osa. Dedicated fans, R. Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Ovecki. program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. Go to patreon.com slash secrets of the sire. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash secrets of the sire, and youtube.com slash secrets of the sire. I Just say don't like us.
0: Now subscribe I, to our channel. I say we're going to endure even if you don't videos, like us. we psychology. Time. Reverse cycle. Subscribe
1: to us on iTunes. We have a four point nine percent rating on iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts. Go look up Secrets of the Sire. We were, yeah, we were slightly wrong. less popular than the Impractical Jokers podcast this past week. We were 190th in the in our in our category.
0: Sorry, <laughs> awesome. Were, we're, number 190. we're number one ninety. We're number one ninety. They were one eighty-nine.
1: So <laughs> all right. Before we get into the uh Doctor Strange 2 preview. The next couple weeks we're going to be previewing uh, Marvel Phase 4 films. Uh, I actually figured it out. The only reason you were upset with my entire commentary on the female scene in Avengers Endgame uh, is because of the argument that you used in the past, and now you're upset that I was using it for something. But you have to realize, Sasan, that the argument is only valid when I use it. So as long as you... I don't even know what
0: you're talking about right now, so...
1: As long as you understand that.
0: Uh, uh, we'll uh, I, I understand, Michael. They will be okay. I All know right, exactly Doctor what Strange. you're talking about right now. I'm just going to keep pretending. Doctor Strange <laughs> 2.
1: Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, this oh, yeah. was on uh, Screen Rant, actually, uh, over the weekend. Doctor Strange 2 Theory. Scarlet Witch is the Multiverse Madness. Uh, mm-hmm. Could Scarlet Witch be the villain of Doctor Strange? uh in the multiverse of madness marvel studios has been dabbling with the idea of alternate universes and dimensions for a while it was subtly introduced in thor films and explored more in depth uh scarlet witch has the capacity in that in the comics dr strange noted wanda possessed abilities she had neither earned nor understood and this led to the uh well, I mean, to say the least, the terrifying Avengers disassembled where she basically disassembled everyone and she got rid of all the mutants. Uh, Basically, this kind of setup- Scarlet
0: Witch is a lot of trouble.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's a lot Uh, of trouble. There's a strong comic book precedent for Scarlet Witch to become the villain. Uh, The MCU version of Wanda Maximoff isn't quite the same character as in the comics. However, it's notable that Marvel Studios appear to be preparing to retcon Scarlet Witch as a sorceress The MCU introduced its version of magic in Doctor Strange. In a speech from the ancient one, she described magic as the source code that shapes reality. And in a 2016 interview, Kevin Feige uh, mentioned her powers. She's never had any training. I'm talking about Scarlet Witch. She's never had any training. She's figuring it out. Arguably, you could say that's why her powers are so much more chaotic and much more loose the way that we showcased these light effects, uh, and
0: and and in the interest of saying something positive about a movie, I just spent the last uh, the last segment uh, bashing. Uh-huh. How great was the moment in uh, Endgame? Absolutely, when she attacked Thanos. Oh yeah, you took everything from me, and he goes, "I don't even know who you are." Because I think that- I think that was wonderful because it was true on both sides. It wasn't bravado. Yes, and you and and you understood. The emotional stakes of both characters. That was a really. Uh, there was I a really. I love that you.
1: I support my my theory that I, that a scene can have a big payoff when it has the correct build up, the right setup. I mean, this was a this was a scene you wanted. to It is
0: to... subjective as to whether or not other scenes that you may or may not be referring to actually does or doesn't. I'm
1: just talking about the Scarlet Witch scene. I think the Scarlet Witch scene is fantastic because it has so a am big, I believable build up. It, there's so much at stake for both characters and mm-hmm. comic book nerds. We know that Scarlet Witch, based on canon,
0: is least, the most powerful. Is
1: if if not the well, most, the most
0: powerful one of the mutant, most powerful. mutant. I think. Oh
1: yeah, that's true. But hey, mutants are coming back now, baby.
0: Yeah. She's not the most powerful character in Marvel. She's the most powerful mutant in Marvel. Wouldn't
1: that be wouldn't that be amazing too? Is if she was the reason so it, so almost a reverse of No More Mutants, which is the famous line uh, in the Marvel comics. She's like, bring back mutants. And everyone's like, What? What are mutants? Oh, it turns out Scarlet Witch has just been hiding them the entire time.
0: I'm pretty sure they could pull it
1: off. If I just saw. wrote I just wrote phase four. I yeah. just wrote phase five. I wrote the phase five. Check your
0: phone's probably ringing. <laughs> probably people coming to give you lots of money for it. Here you go, Michael Dolce. Thank God for you, because we just did not know what Phase 5 was going to be until just now. And Doctor- we're not even, we're not even, oh, a... almost gave it away.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, right? I almost gave it away. Doctor Strange as a film was thoroughly enjoyable, and I don't need another one, period. So the oh. actual idea of Scarlet Witch being in Doctor Strange 2... You didn't
0: need the first one.
1: <laughs> no, I agree. I'm just saying I, I was thoroughly entertained. I enjoyed it, but I never left the theater being like, well,
0: I can't wait for the sequel to that. It was more like... That's different. That's different from my don't... I take umbrage with that term. I, I know you do. Of, of need. But nobody I, needs art. Nobody needs anything. Nobody needs anything. Exactly. So yeah. stop using, water the, you, water stop and using air. the phrase. I need this. this and purpose. This is I need to happen. It didn't need to happen. This is a sequel. It did not need to happen. Yeah, neither did your comment. I guess what I was
1: trying to say was, though, (laughs) addition of Scarlet Witch, the thought process to this theory that her powers, you know, bringing her closer to the Scarlet Witch of Avengers Disassembled actually has me moderately excited if that is indeed the, the
0: road that Marvel decides to go. Do you feel silly? Oh, no. How many times do we do this? I don't get excited about it. you're you're going to tell me, you're going to tell me another story. You're going to be like, "Hey man, on Tuesday I'm going to come by and I'm going to I'm going to show you this comic book." Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to show you this movie. I am intrigued by the movie that I am going to see. I am intrigued by in the notion that I'm going to get to see a movie. I'm going to get to read a comic book and there's a good possibility that I may extremely enjoy what I am what I am experiencing, you know. Yeah. Um. As opposed to there's a possibility that I may hate it. Yeah. But the 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 prospects it's like it's like, I you know I'm one of those people who, if I'm going to your house you're you're you know you're far away you're a train ride away mm-hmm. I'm more excited about that train ride than I'm am about actually getting to your house because the train ride mm-hmm. is going to be full uh, full of all this stimuli. You know, whatever, and you know, I just get to sit and observe this, this, you know, this weird chaotic energy. You I get lie. to the house. I'm gonna have to be on my best behavior, and you know, hang out. And we're gonna talk about stuff, and then I'm gonna leave, and I'm gonna get back into the chaos mobile, and then we're gonna go. I'm gonna go home. So, like, when it, when, when you get a movie, when you, when Marvel says we're gonna do Phase Five, we're gonna do Phase Four, yeah. and it's gonna be whole all these different movies. I'm like, okay, you know, I got, I got, a, you know, I got guaranteed experiences in the future. But am I excited about any any of them other than the prospect of something I might enjoy is coming? No, not really. I don't. I don't really. I think it's just the part of my makeup. I don't really get excited about um, about upcoming events. I I get happy that there are events coming. But I'm not excited, you know, because there's, there's too much of a potential for a letdown. And that's me letting myself down because I built the situation up too much. So something is actually excellent. But because I wanted it to be way more than it actually was, I didn't get to experience the excellence that, that, that it was until way later.
1: Well, I, th- I think for me, Dr. Strange has no expectations. And it has no, like, so just the, just the inkling that I will get excited to see it, is enough to justify it in my head. All right. I learned from
0: from uh, I learned that from uh, Starship Troopers. Oh,
1: good.
0: When Lord I was shoot. twenty years, like twenty or whatever years, I I, I looked at the the trailers like this movie is going to be the greatest movie I've ever. <laughs> ever been? There's, there's no way. There's no way this movie is not going to be one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And it was a good movie. But it, wasn't it wasn't the greatest movie, movie ever, ever, saw. ever. Yeah, so. <laughs> So it was actually a disappointment to me and that, you know, I missed out on the whole Starship Trooper thing because I decided it was going to be the greatest thing ever. And I don't do that anymore.
1: Let us know what you think.
0: Comment. Oh, don't. Don't tell us. Comment in the Facebook feed.
1: Uh, Comment comment in uh, the watch parties. We have several watch parties going on. Stay away from our watch parties. They're pretty cool. They're dangerous. Uh, And the YouTube feed and and the Twitch feed, we will get back to you. When we come back, happy to welcome Sean Lewis, Image Comics Thumbs. Check out the all-new Sire Studios website, SireStudiosInc.com. Find all your back issues for The Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And be on the lookout for news and announcements, convention appearances, and brand new podcasts coming to Sire Studios. That address again is SireStudiosInc.com. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Coming to you live from the Sire Digital Network. That is YouTube.com/slash Secrets of the Sire, Facebook.com/slash Secrets of the Sire, Twitch.tv/slash Secrets of the Sire, and everywhere you can download a podcast: iTunes, iHeartRadio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Really excited to welcome my next guest. Uh, we have Sean Lewis uh, from the Hit Image Comics series Thumbs. Sean, how you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me tonight. Glad to have you. Uh, Love every, well, obviously, uh, we kind of talked off air. I've done some stuff at Image 2, so I love talking to fellow uh, creators, which is awesome. Uh, But Thumbs is doing way, way better than my Image book ever did. Uh, You guys sold out the first issue, run. We did. We sold out the first and the second issue. Oh, man, that's, see, that's, like, way better than I did Uh, 10 years ago. I actually sold the most books I'd ever done at Image and still wasn't good enough. It was like, I was like, yay, we sold this. And Jim Valentino's like, yeah, no, you know, you got to be up here. And we're like, oh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always nerve wracking. Waiting for those numbers to come in is always like a pretty terrifying. couple of days.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, What kind of promotion, because I've seen you everywhere. It's kind of how we connected in general. Uh, You really do get out there. Like How... Like, what promotion did you do for this book? Like, personally, because I know everyone thinks like when you become like Image Comics, like, oh, they're gonna. That was my first thought too. It was like, oh, great, Image, oh, this is great. I can finally stop having to promote the book, and they can do it. And and then (laughs) and you realize, no, that's not the case. Oh, that's definitely not the case. Um, I think I made that
2: mistake. So this is my fourth book with Image, and so the first one was when I did Saints. I was under the delusion. I was just like, oh, they're gonna do all the marketing for me. This is gonna be like. (laughs) <laughs> so easy, and so I didn't do any of the marketing. And then I was like, "Why are my numbers so low?" And she's yeah. Like, well, you didn't, you didn't like tell anyone the book was coming out. Um. So with each book, you know, part part of it is like just having built a bit of an audience from the previous three books. Mm-hmm. Um. So there was a nice base there, and then um. I mean, I'm just a big believer in guerrilla marketing. Um, Twitter specifically is something that I use pretty obsessed. With. I started uh using Instagram. I'd never used it. Mm-hmm. before but basically what I did is I got a really cheap like film um set up basically like a, a tripod with a halo light that I could put my phone in the middle of and a little blue screen and mm-hmm. so I just would make um commercials for my my book you know months in advance and just kind of putting them up and using that to kind of connect people like little trailers and, and saw that actually those, worked really well
1: those. yeah those i mean uh, where did you see the tra- uh, like the traffic on twitter instagram both because of those trailers twitter twitter and instagram i mean there's a massive difference between when
2: i put it up myself and when image retweets it mm-hmm. um you know when image retweets it suddenly like you know their views can hit up to five to ten thousand people wow. um yeah which is which is huge you know for an indie yeah. book especially getting that much exposure is great sure. and it also it starts to lead to other exposure like you start having like outlets who didn't know the book was coming out or did and weren't paying that didn't really care that much suddenly going like people are talking about this do you want to do an interview with us do you mm-hmm. want to do something on radio like on one of our podcasts or Do you want to do something you know in
1: print and so it just starts to kind of perpetuate itself gary Vanderchuk is the famous um motivational speaker and he had a video i, I listened i recently listened, listened to a podcast that had a quote from him and he's like do every interview you possibly can he's like every you know, 40 view video, 400 view video, you know, 100, you know, listen, download, it doesn't matter how small or how much or, or how great, uh, do everything to get, to get the word out as much as possible, right?
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I mean, I think there's multitudes to that. I mean, you're, you're trying to connect, especially on an indie book and the difference of the finances of that, like yeah. every person counts. And I think there's also just a bigger thing if you're going to work outside of the mainstream, like there's that whole concept of the 1,000 true fans. Like if you can get 1,000 people who commit or believe in whatever you do, then you can Mm -hmm. basically make a living do what you're doing. Um, And so like I'm a big believer in that, of like you kind of find and create your own community, especially if you're trying to tell your own stories.
1: Um, So so, yeah, I mean, I think if someone's willing to talk to you, talk. (laughs) (laughs) nothing wrong with that uh all right we've talked around thumbs uh give us the 30 second elevator pitch sure
2: so basically if you imagine a world where mark zuckerberg has been giving away free tech and and um to poor kids around the country Mm -hmm. and that tech is actually starting to indoctrinate them into becoming his own little army trying to overthrow the government that Mm -hmm. is the uh that is the basic premise and setup of the world, and we follow this main character, Charlie, whose nickname is Thumbs, who is one of these kids who's indoctrinated. Who, after an injury, wakes up to a really horrific world and is just desperate to save his sister from it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's great. Uh, you know, having read uh, the first couple issues, uh, a lot of video game culture references a lot of anti-technology references which which is just ironic too because even this morning i was reading uh just i was reading like time magazine i was reading like an actual magazine getting my hair cut and i was like what <laughs> reading something on paper about the news, right. and, and it doesn't mean anomaly <laughs> yeah i know right it, it, and it reminded me of how like you know when you used to read stuff in magazines it didn't it informed you, it didn't inflame you. But I feel like everything on technology now is like about inflaming you. Well, there's a big thing about that. I mean, they do a lot of studies that they
2: like, there's a whole study around like the negative click, that the negative click generates like five to 10 times more Mm -hmm. interaction than anything positive. And so, you know, when people's jobs, like, reporters' jobs now are, are literally connected to the amount of clicks that they get on their page. Yep. If you know that that's at risk, then, I'm, I, then you're going to definitely lean towards, you know, writing something that is confrontational. And that's going to make people frustrated and angry and, and read it for those reasons and engage yeah. with it for those reasons. Um, I find that terrifying. <laughs> 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 like, I mean, that's not really a world. I mean, it's the world we are living in, but it's very scary to me. You yeah, know, I think like sometimes I like technology is this weird Pandora's box that like we didn't really know what we were opening, and we're we're finding out a little bit more every year of like,
1: oh, this is what this thing really does. Right, <laughs> I'm a big believer that it will correct itself. Like the market always corrects itself. History always always corrects itself. But the casualties along the way is what I'm concerned about. You know, I'm right. concerned about what it is. I mean, we I was having a discussion. Uh, with my dad about this. And and we were talking about, you know, can you trust the media? And I didn't mean that from a political standpoint. I just meant it from exactly the point you just talked about. Can you trust someone who needs is desperate to get your attention versus their desire is to inform you, you know? Right. And is, and is the process or the purpose anymore to actually inform the populace as opposed to
2: direct them? Um, And that's, that's also kind of scary. Like, you know, it it, it weirdly feels, everything feels weirdly manipulative right now, at least to me. Like, I feel like I see Twitter posts or, you know, CNN or, or Fox articles and I'm just like, this. this doesn't feel like it's trying to actually teach me or inform me on anything I should know about. This is just trying to tell me what I'm supposed to think.
1: That's our, not, that's I'm the model sure. for our entire show. That's actually, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Great, great, great. <laughs> you must buy all my stuff. No, <laughs> uh, Hayden Sherman uh, is your partner on this. Uh, the artwork is stunning in, in thumbs. Yeah, I, I, great. I just absolutely love it. How did you end up getting together with Hayden and, uh, and, and just in, like, you know, describe that relationship you guys have? Sure. Uh I found them on a Facebook page maybe four years ago. Um uh,
2: mm-hmm. we did a book previously called The Few. Hayden was still in undergrad at the uh Rhode Island School of Design and Boom Studios used to I mean I they still have it. They had a Facebook page that I think instead of getting overwhelmed at their offices with um art submissions, they were just like, just on this page, just drop your art. And so um and, and so, like, you I don't know if you went through this when you were at Image, but, like, when my first book ended, I turned to Eric Stevenson, who's editor-in-chief, and I was like, I've got an idea for another book. I think it's going to be great. So, like, can, like, what's the artist you want to set me up with? And he was like, we don't do that. Like, you got hey, to find the right. artist. Oh, yeah. That much I knew. That much I knew. I did not know that. I was just like, wait, I have to find another artist? And he was like, yeah, and I do some online sites. And I was having so much trouble, and I found that boom page. And I went through it and I honestly, I found the next two artists that I worked with, um, Hayden being one of them, like I saw his art and immediately it was just like, I've never seen anything like this. Like his style is so definitive. Yeah. And so, and I had this idea for this book, The Few, and I wanted it to be really stark. And immediately I was like, uh, he's the right artist, you know, and if he's not, I'm going to tailor it to him. Yeah. So we did that. We had a great experience working on that. It was probably the first big book for both of us. Um and then as soon as it ended, we were, we started working on thumbs. It just took, you know, it's, it took a long time to do the books. It's, they're all double sized. And also when you work at image, like nothing gets solicited until you have three entire issues completely done. Yeah. So the amount of time it takes to finish three issues, you know, like we're, we're almost probably 18 months outside of when the few ended. Like it, yeah. it, it takes a while.
1: So, you know, we talked about this actually too, um, how did you break in initially? I mean, uh, talk about the Saints experience. Like, how did you end up getting a book at Image? Uh, because a lot of people were like, wow, well, I would, you know, it's funny. The amount of indie creators I run into who are like, I'm just going to send this to Image. And I'm just like, yeah, I send things to Image. They don't even talk to me. Like, <laughs> you know, right. and I did stuff there. It's like, so how how do you break that mold?
2: Well, I'm going to be the person that pisses you and other people off because I have before because what I did is I did just send it to Image. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Steve Orlando, I met him right when I was doing my first book. He's become a good friend and good mentor in the business. And um, we were doing a sign and he asked me the same thing. And I was just like, yeah, I just I did a cold mailing directly to Eric. And he was like, don't tell anyone that story. He's like, yes. do not tell anyone that story. And I was just like, why? And he was just like, because it's going to let people think that that's how that normally happens. And he's like, I've never heard of that happening for anyone. I I mean, there was, I will say there were some, there were some differences. I mean, when I sent the pitch to Eric, I had already done a story on This American Life for NPR. I already won a couple of awards as a playwright. Like, there was was a trajectory of work behind me that I think made him even just look at it. Um, Because I think, I mean, and, and I will say this. I think at the time, for some reason, his email was on the Image website. It is no longer on the Image website. No, no. Um, so I think, I think I was at the last window of like, oh, the editor-in-chief. That must be who – I was very naive, was part of it. <laughs> like, I love comics, but I didn't understand the business of it at sure. all. Like, I had fantasized about writing comics for years. I just didn't know how you even got a chance. So basically, I met an artist working on a theater project, and we did this book, Sinked at first for fun and then we found ourselves with a full issue and i was like why not send it to some people like I'm, yeah. I, maybe they'll publish it <laughs> and um and you know i did a bunch of cold emails to like dark horse and image um and idw and like no one really responded to me except for eric and it was and it was way later he responded to me probably like three months after i sent it to him but then things moved fast he was just like do you want to do the book here um
1: and it just kind of changed everything. Like it's when, it's when been a really great him, relationship. there. When you sent him the book, though, and you said you didn't have an artist attached, I we had already, I did have an artist. We had done a whole okay. issue. Okay, so you did have yeah. you did have that. So for the first one, so that was good. But then going forward, it was like you, then you had to real yeah. yeah,
2: well, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I kind of understood that. Like, oh, to break into the business, you probably need a full book because as a writer, it's got to be really weird to just turn in a script. Mm-hmm. Um, without seeing how it plays on a page sure so like and and me and this guy, me and Ben Mackey, had created this thing together while we were working on this play um but what I just misunderstood is I was like,' oh, I'm in now, like they, <laughs> I'm sure like they must have like a stable of artists, and now they just kind of pair you together, and I was also underestimating like that first book did not sell whatsoever, so like I was also naive enough to not realize like they probably shouldn't do another book with me, like. <laughs> Like just financially, they, they, it would probably be a really bad idea to do a second comic with me um, for whatever reason they, they did. Um, and and then that book did really well. And then the book after it did well. So And then that kind of led to, to thumbs because the first one did not. I mean, it got a lot of critical response, but we didn't sell like anything. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> so Unfortunately, it's a lot of people's world. There's a. There's a lot of great books that are underrepresented.
1: Off air, I'll, I'll tell you a great trick I learned after my last series came out uh, through Xenoscope that I wish I would have done. I'll tell you, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic <laughs> thing that I was like, ah, like, oh, somebody told me about it and I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that. <laughs> that's right. That's right, viewers and listeners. You don't get to hear my hot take on, on what to do. No, actually, it's, it's uh, hiring a telemarketing company on Fiverr to call retailers that's my. Oh, that, somebody said that to me. That's no, interesting. I, because what and what you do is you just do it as a teaser, five minutes in, and that's it. Just you know, so that they come in they, they read off a script, and if they want, you know, if the retailer wants to learn more, they can take a note and say the creator will call you directly. Um, because right. I, actually, you know, my best selling book. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's my best selling book, but the original, the sire, when I first did it, I self published it. Uh, and I did a a fantastic number for a first issue for an indie book from a no name company, and you know I sold like two thousand copies, which which was like fantastic. But that was when I was like twenty six and had all the time in the world and could call every single retailer up. Right. And then subsequently, every book I did since, I'm like, I don't have the, I, like I don't have time I don't I don't know where I had the time when I was twenty six, but apparently that's which just what you do when you're in your twenties. You have to, all the time in the world. I don't have the time to do it. And someone said to me, "They're like, yeah, I hired somebody off of Fiverr. You should just do that." And I'm like, "Damn, <laughs> you told me, you told me." Yeah, no, man. that's smart. <laughs> that's definitely smart. You'll you'll use it. You'll credit me. It's good. It's good. Um, <laughs> all right, real quick uh, before we go, you mentioned you're a award winning playwright. Uh, talk to us about the the plays you do. I love the fact that you're multi talented, and it's not just comics. Uh, give us give us a a, a world view of Sean Lewis. Sure. I mean,
2: so I guess for the last 15 years, uh, I've made my primary living as a playwright and theater director. And so um, I create books that are usually um, around political subjects, but kind of deal with the gray area. Um, Mm -hmm. I write a lot of plays around subject matter that I don't know what I think about. And through the play, I'm like trying to argue with myself to actually find out what I believe. You know, I tend to approach most things kind of going like, I think I'm actually too stupid to have an opinion on this subject matter that's so huge yet. And so I kind of have to write this play to even see, like, what do I think about capital punishment? What do I think about police brutality? What do I think Mm -hmm. about these things? As opposed to just being like, I think it's bad in a very simplistic way that doesn't look at, like, all things. Or I think it's good for the same reasons. Um, And so, yeah, so those plays have, like, performed off Broadway and around the country and internationally. And so that's been a, a big part of my life. It's only in the past, like, two years where comic books have kind of, you know, devoured them. What are, you, um, um, what are you reading these days, comic
0: book-wise?
2: Uh, Gideon Falls is a big one for me. Um, I have just started reading Dark Ark, which I'm really enjoying a lot. If there's something that has to do with Catholicism, I'll probably get sucked into it pretty quickly, <laughs> um, just from my background.
0: Um,
2: I'm trying to think what else. Like Black Hammer. I'm a big Jeff Lemire fan, so like mm-hmm. anything of his. I go back and read his um, Bloodshot Colorado series a lot. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, and then I'm also always looking for uh, suggestions from people of what they're kind of like obsessed with. I also read the Dark Horse. Dark Horse had a graphic novel on the Green River Killer um,
1: recently, and it was amazing. It was fantastic. Very, very cool. All right, Sean, where can people find you online and where can people find Thumbs and all the stuff you got going on right now?
2: Sure. Um, I have a website. So that's just seanchristopherlewis.com. And my Twitter is at seanchrislewis. And my Instagram is seanlewis6026.
1: Very, very cool. And thumbs number three is in stores right now? Or what are, we, what are we up to? Thumbs number three is out right now. Yeah. Good time to hop on it. We're at the midpoint. All right. Very cool. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I really do appreciate yeah, thanks for having me. And when we come back, we go Spinning the Racks. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank Sean Lewis for joining us, talking about Image Comics' new series, Thumbs. Go check out the book. Go check them out on Instagram uh, and Twitter. We do this every week. We go spinning the racks. Spin the rack. Spin
0: the rack. <laughs>
1: Marvel Comics' 80th anniversary. CB Sobolski explains the approach. This is from cbr.com.
0: The approach uh, is we're going to turn 80. <laughs> That's his approach.
1: Well, first of all, we've been rebranding Spin the Racks to be a little more comic book centric. So we're taking you inside the source material for your favorite films. That's yes, we are. The racks, look at that. Yes. So there's nothing greater than knowing what's coming up in Marvel Comics. So Marvel Comics' 80th anniversary has been an opportunity to put more comics in the stands. But unlike past celebrations, this year's milestone extends beyond the traditional anthology format projects. Uh, CBC Sebulci explained the approach to the comics focusing on eight decades of House of Ideas by tying them to his general editorial approach for Marvel And here and now. We were figuring out how to celebrate the 80th anniversary. Going back to the idea of look back to the past to respect the future, Uh, he told us, CBR at Comic-Con International, we knew we wanted to go back to the past creators, bring back past storylines and tell one-shots and miniseries, not just with the superhero genre, but with horror, romance, sci-fi, the other things that Marvel and Timely and Atlas were known for previously. So Marvel Comics 1000 is coming out August 28th. It's going to have I mean, just a slew of creators. It's ridiculous. It's all tied together with uh, Al Ewing is writing, uh, is, is, the, is, is writing the spine, I guess, uh, is the guy who did the heavy lifting here. Uh, the comic connects Marvel Comics number one to every Marvel comic we've ever seen, telling a story we've never seen told before about the background of Marvel Universe. Kind of cool in a sense, too, like you think about it, like the 80th anniversary it's marvel comics 1000 and you do the math on it i was doing the math on it with the with the action comics it's really incredible if you think about it the fact that i mean marvel comics didn't even almost didn't even make it i mean timely it was like timely comics in 1939 to the point that we're now at right i mean
0: And they were like concerted efforts to get rid of it. Like there was it wasn't even one of those like, well, the sales are down, so we might not be around. It's like literally the government's trying to shut us down.
1: Stan like Lee. Long I,
0: periods of time in the in the history of the comic books.
1: Yeah. It was a famous story too. Where basically the guy was like, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna we're we're probably closing up shop. So Stan, you could do whatever you want. Just just go ahead and have fun because we're probably not gonna make it past this year. he's like, I'm gonna create Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change.
0: No, you know change. what? Don't you wish you yourself just came up with ideas like that, you know? And it just...
1: I have them, but like I told Sean Lewis, I don't, my comics don't make money. Oh, <laughs> <don't>. wait. <laughs> attention, attention future publishers, don't. Can we edit that out?
0: You can do that. You edit that out. Call the studio. Call, wow. call, the, call the engineer. All right.
1: Marvel Comics 1000 coming out. Go check it out. Cool. Next week, we dive deeper into Marvel Phase 4. We're going to break down Thor 4, and we welcome Geek Sheet Elite podcaster Laura Cerrone on the show. She's going to be on talking about Thor, and she's also going to talk about why Agents of the Shield, and this is completely subjective, is the best Marvel TV show ever created.
0: Oh, got to hear that.
1: (laughs) See you guys next week.